Hello, my name is Ari Redboard, Head of Legal and Government Affairs at TRM Labs. Welcome to a Flash TRM Talks. TRM Talks is brought to you by TRM Labs, the leading provider of blockchain intelligence and anti-money laundering software. Today, I'm joined by Matt Kaufman of Wyoming law firm Hathaway & Kunz to talk DAOs. Wyoming has passed and implemented the first in the nation law providing legal status to decentralized autonomous organizations. Ahead of TRM Talks DAOs, I asked Matthew to come and educate us on the Wyoming law. So what I would love you to do for folks is, um, you know, when we think about DAOs, I think we think about really sort of an emerging space, this sort of new way to organize in a decentralized way. But Wyoming has been really thoughtful around this. So would you kind of walk us through um, what does the Wyoming law say and sort of how, how should we be thinking about it? Yeah. So when when the Wyoming legislature and I, and I serve as a layperson on one of the legislative committees uh, regarding uh, blockchain and financial technology, when we, we started to hear conversations and testimonies surrounding the problems that DAO innovators were having, uh, we, we quickly picked up on some common themes. And a couple of those themes were one, in the DAO space, if, if you're an on-chain entity or group uh, doing trading, some sort of asset management, investing in NFTs, development, whatever it is, and you have a common core of individuals, maybe a common core wallet or assets or whatever the case may be, where, where does that line become drawn to where you're actually a formal entity or where, where you're not? And the problem we were hearing from a lot of these developers is, hey, we, we keep getting told time and time again, uh, there's problems here because uh, if there's an issue, if there's a dispute, um, if there's a problem of some sort, you're probably going to be treated at law as a common law general partnership. Well, the problem with that is then all the members of that partnership have unlimited liability as opposed to limited liability. And so the question quickly arose, is there a way to provide these groups of individuals or participants uh, some, some limited liability protection? And then that naturally kind of flowed into the other conversation, which was, hey, if we are a DAO or, or again, a, a collective, a group development community, whatever it is, and we want to introduce some more formalized structure so that there are uh, or is an external set of rules aside from right whatever protocol or platform we're operating under. Um, how do we do that? And what's a way that we could incorporate some 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 rules, some default rules, legal remedies, things like that? The the conversation at the time was you know pretty pretty much in the LLC context. I think everyone you know recognized pretty quickly that. Uh, corporations are great for a lot of purposes, but for something like this, there is some limited flexibility around that. Uh, we we certainly know that, I mean, most people don't know, but Wyoming is the birthplace of the LLC. We are the state that created the LLC to begin with. And so we're pretty proud of that LLC act and heritage. And we, we took a, a long look at that and what could be done. Um, similarly, we were hearing of things happening in New Hampshire, Colorado, uh, Delaware, of course, uh, within those LLC structures as well. And so what 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 occurred and where the conversation went is, is there a way to take these problems that we're hearing about and solve them through a, a category or a type of entity? Um, naturally, the outgrowth was an LLC. And what we quickly realized is, yeah, we think we can. And so what, what the Wyoming law aimed to do was to create a subcategory or a subtype of LLC. So this is a member-managed LLC. And what, what it ultimately allows the organizers or the members of this LLC to do is to utilize default rules and definitional structures that are already baked into the Wyoming law 
to delegate management to non-human actors. It's it's really that simple. And so again, I, I hear and criticisms are well founded, right? We hear criticisms about the Wyoming law all the time. Ah, it's unnecessary. We can do this in Delaware. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. What I think is is super unique about what Wyoming has done is Wyoming is still the only place right now in the country that has taken the effort to define different buckets of digital assets, right? And what are those digital asset property characteristics and how do we define and treat them? And now we incorporated that into this DAO structure. So now your membership interest in this DAO can be characterized as a digital security. It could be characterized as right some form of digital property. And then what are the legal rights and remedies that, that flow out of that? And more importantly, what are the default rules, right? If there is a dispute and the operating agreement or the protocol or whatever the case may be doesn't, doesn't decide that for you, what are the rules? So obviously I won't go into all the details of the act itself and, and kind of the ins and outs, but that's essentially what we did in Wyoming was we created a hierarchy where your smart contract protocol and, and whatever technology platform you're relying on can be baked into that corporate hierarchy of, of sort of the, the legal rights and remedy stack of, of the member participants. And then you can still rely to the extent that you don't modify it through an operating agreement or some other agreement. Um, you can rely on kind of the, the, again, the default rules and remedies that are baked into the Wyoming Act. It's incredibly helpful. And, you know, like as, as someone who's been following the work that you guys have been doing in Wyoming for, for some time, how are you advising clients in the regulatory space when they're thinking about, you know, either they're a DAO trying to understand or part of a DAO trying to understand sort of what are our regulatory obligations or quite frankly, another entity looking to engage with a DAO? Yeah, well, the, the short answer is I unfortunately give the standard lawyer answer for a lot of it, right? <laughs> it depends and it's messy. Um, and and the, the reality is that's the case. I mean, we, we recognize that we're innovating here and it's early and there's still just a lot of things that we don't know. So what we typically start with on a lot of these projects is, first of all, what's the objective? What do you want to do? Because um, the number of times we've, we've talked to folks that want a DAO and don't really know why, right? Other than the fact that it sounds cool. Um, and so we can quickly determine that they don't really need one. What I've seen where it's it's really, really interesting is probably most in, in the governance context. And we want to distribute uh, governance in some novel or different way. And so that's that's one of the things that I think the, the, the DAO and particularly the LLC Act in Wyoming accommodate that, that a lot of the other historical uh, sort of default corporate jurisdictions just don't allow for. What, what I often tell people is, again, we don't have any magic bullets to solve the securities or the tax problems, right? I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, like, like most attorneys, I'm still, you know, pretty shy about token issuance. Token issuance is, is very messy, uh, depending on how you want to go about it. And if you want to acquiesce to the fact that it's a security and right, follow securities registration or exemptions, or, or do you want to try to really carve out an argument that it's not a security in some way, shape or form, which has proven to be a, a dangerous path, but, but some have chosen that. So token issuance, there, there's no, there, there's no magic bullet here, right? I, I do think that DAOs. Uh, can effectively raise money. I think they can effectively do a lot of different business activities, but securities compliance is still going to be an issue. The same is true with taxes. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people think, well, we want to have uh, this dis distributed decentralized governance model. We want to grow it as big as possible, and we want to use a governance token or something. Okay, that that's great. But again, sometimes it's really really hard 
to separate and distinguish the economic versus the non-economic participation in these entities and what that really means and what the tax consequences might mean. And nobody wants an entity with you know 2,000 K-1s going out if they can avoid it. Can these entities elect corporate tax treatment? Probably. Um, but but how is that that tax election handled, figured out? You know, what what is the orientation of the entity from a tax perspective? That's really important. And then and then the last one, which to me is kind of both a tax and a securities issue, but that's going back to the SEC's, you know, the 2000 beneficial owner rule. And, and that is once you have a, a certain size of entity with a certain amount of assets, um, there's there's a registration assumption at some point in time. You know, how does a DAO comply with that beneficial ownership requirement? I think you're probably the person most suited that I've ever spoken to to actually answer it. So uh, would love would love would love to kind of hear your views on that. Well, I, I can tell you that the DAOs that we're advising, we're telling them they have to be conscientious and aware of that rule, right? So if there is a if there is an economic activity going on where the the underlying value proposition or membership interest in this case, as the LLC membership uh, member holder is likely going to be deemed a security then you absolutely better be aware of that rule if it's if it's truly just a, a a community governance model and we're calling this an llc for some other convenience maybe there's an argument around it but i haven't seen very many good examples of that so the the reality of it is and most people don't want to hear that that 2000 uh number is a really important one to keep in mind and think about and whether that means you've got to limit the participation, whether you've got to limit right the the, the functionality of the entity to keep that in mind, I, I don't know. Um, the, the the technologists know better than I how to implement those things, but that is absolutely something we advise on. It's really great to have subject matter experts um, on to explain the legal ramifications. So thank you so much for joining TRM Talks. You bet.